Well, welcome old friends and new to another special episode from the Bring Your Own Grief Network Studios. I am Arglin Kelly, as always honored to be your humbled host. Well, if you're here, it's because sadly you and your partner have experienced a loss of a child. And I say child regardless of age because grief doesn't have an age limit for the one we miss so much. Doesn't matter if they are five or 50, you are 25 or 75. The loss of a child is not the natural order of things, is it? It hits us hard, not only us, but our relationship too. So if like me, you heard the whisper from others that many marriages end up in divorce after the death of a child, you don't wanna miss this episode. Grief impacts on the marriage. So again, I'll bet somewhere along the line after your loss, you probably heard it was going to take the ultimate toll on your marriage. The big D word came up, didn't it? I heard it right away too, and from more than just one kind-hearted soul. Sometimes this comes from friends trying to be helpful, watching out for you, giving you a heads up so you can combat against it. Maybe just keep your guard up, right? Innocent enough, albeit not really helpful. Other times, it comes from those we might hold in authority, people we look to for advice on our emotional well-being. Doctors, parents, siblings, pastors, you get it. Now, I'm not going to insult anyone, but let me put that notion of divorce, that fallacy to rest right away, folks. While there is no real direct study, there are also no indications that the loss of a child leads to divorce. It's not because there haven't been attempts at drilling down into this either. Heck, my friends and comrades over at the Compassionate Friends Grief Support Organization have commissioned studies on this in the past, as have others, but there simply is no data out there on loss resulting in divorce. Now first, that's a good thing. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control compiles a divorce rate in the U.S. each year, and the fact they don't even have a consideration for child loss tells us something right there, I'd say, right? Shoot. They have figures for divorce resulting from alcoholism, drug addiction, betting on the ponies too much, habitually waking up in, uh, say, the wrong bed, you name it. They got it, except nothing for child loss. So what we do know objectively is that the loss of a child in a relationship does not increase the average divorce rate each year. Now. On the subjective side, I think it's far more obvious that bereaved parents that wind up in a divorce had underlying marital issues before the loss, and those issues were too large to overcome after the traumatic event. You know, over the years of meeting other bereaved parents at national and regional grief support conferences where I've spoken or done workshops, or even those I know personally, I've come to understand that most couples have actually grown stronger in their relationship following a loss. It was the unconditional love that brought them together in the first place that pulled them even closer in the unfortunate tragedy. To support one another, to be there for each other and draw strengths from each other. Now we'll talk about why in a bit, but it might be helpful first to find out how the rumor of divorce might have come about. Now. 
One way that I've heard suggested it was in a book. So it must be true. It's like saying it was on the internet. Everything out there on the good old interwebs has got to be gospel, right? Or maybe also it was translated from I don't know, Latin. Any scholar will tell you that if it originated from the Latin language, it's just undisputed. Now seriously, I've heard a few cases of some folks blaming an innocent book titled The Bereaved Parent, which is actually an incredibly healing grief support book written by Harriet Schiff and published in 1978. Harriet is a bereaved parent, of course, and at the time of the loss had been a very successful and respected reporter. When the bereaved parent book was released, it was highly lauded, and rightfully so, as a groundbreaking support book by someone who was not in the mental health field. Obviously, her ability to put her lost emotions to paper continues to serve many even today, and I highly recommend you look up the book, get it, and read it. Harriet Schiff, The Bereaved Parent. Regardless, in her widely recognized observations in the book, Miss Schiff made the innocent statement, and I paraphrase here, that child loss is going to cause difficulties in a relationship. Well, and not to make light of Miss Schiff's words, it certainly is going to cause some difficulties. You lost a mutual child. Heck, shopping together at the grocery store causes difficulties in most marriages, right? Now, what she did not say, however, was that child loss would end in divorce. Yet somewhere along the way after that, it seemed like the prospect for collapse of the marriage got picked up by those who had a hand in supporting the bereaved. That's why, that's why we have to be very careful after a loss when we're confused and upset and searching for answers, almost ready to jump on anything we're told. Heck, take anything I say here and make sure you verify it. I'm a bereaved father walking down a path of healing who just wants to share my experiences, observations, and findings with you. I might have some things and some common sense things that fit for you, but like everything else, we are all individuals and your mileage may vary from others. When we're walking in a fog, see, we, we can't just blindly grab onto anything we get our hands on. But here's the thing. Sometimes misconceptions can come from those we consider professionals too, although not always their fault. Take the vaunted five stages of grief, for example. You've probably already heard of it, even if you are fairly early in your loss. Heck, you may have heard of it before your loss. You heard that there are five stages of grief, Five stages we'll go through. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. It's a given, right? Those stages, progressively in that very order, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and finally acceptance, are to be expected norms for you, the bereaved, right? You'll see it posted on the internet. You'll hear it on TV. Heck, you might hear it from a mental health professional still today. But here's the thing, and there's really no getting around this. The five stages of grief model was innocently and correctly named by psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in a study and book she published in 1969 titled On Death and Dying. The issue here is that she created this progressive grief model not on those who survived the loss of a loved one, you and me, but instead on observing the emotional state of the terminally ill, those who knew they were dying. Those subjects she studied consistently went through the emotional stages of denial of the terminal illness before they became angry, 
then tried to bargain with God to take back the death sentence, and when that could not be arranged, became depressed. I think I get that. I, I hope I don't have to get that in the future, but we'll see, huh? Anyway, then comes the final stage, acceptance of pending death. You get this too, though, right? Yet for those of us who've lost a child or anyone we love dearly, we may actually go through the five stages of grief, of course, but we go through far more stages than Kubler-Ross listed, and certainly not in some linear time track. Heck, early on, I could be up through my stage 15 of grief before 9 o'clock in the morning, and stage 2 again by 9.02, and back to my stage 8 by 9.07. Get it? We have no five set stages in our loss. So look, I'm a little off course here. Just know that there is some info out there you really can't take on face value without verifying for yourself. Thinking it through for you. Trust, but verify, I suppose, right? And trust me, <laughs> verify, if you will, this whole idea that your marriage will end with the loss of a child and you'll find it to be pure bunk. It simply is something that once the idea came out, it spread and sadly even became something used by well-meaning folks in the mental health and clergy professions to try to help the grieving. And listen, without question, one of the toughest things to go through is grief work, healing after the loss. I know for many of us, it can be so hard to believe now, but you will move forward in life again. Oh, and know that you will move forward with your lost loved one with you every day. But we don't need things that just are not true holding us back on our healing path. We need truth. Truth is that each year, 50% of the first-time marriages end in divorce. It jumps by roughly 10% for its second-time marriages and another 10% or so higher still for third time. But more truth, there is no increase in those hard figures that come from the loss of a child. Truth is, those kind-hearted souls who want to whisper that divorce is imminent are going off of mistruths. The real truth is that you married that significant other largely because they were different from you. You were attracted to them because they gave you things you could not give yourself. If you're a believer in God now, as I am, you can go back to the Garden of Eden when God looked down at poor pitiful Adam and thought, this kid ain't going to make it on his own. So he spoke to Adam and said, Adam, I'm going to bring forth woman because I need to give you a what? What did God call Eve? What was he bringing to poor Adam? Right. God said to him, Adam, I am going to give you a helper. See, God knew man would need a woman just to help him get by in life, right? Lord knows we men couldn't survive without our woman, could we? We need them to be who we are not, and they need us to be who they are not. And that means we are different, different for a reason, different by design. Beyond just the physical, that's why we're attracted to each other on a subliminal level. Subconsciously, we know we have to put up with the crap from our opposite sex, the woman. So we know how wrong it is to spend a Saturday afternoon napping on the couch and helping us get dressed properly for dinner out with friends. By the way, what, what's wrong with flip-flops going downtown, huh? Honestly, though, for the most part, our differences complement each other on so many levels, as they have since the dawn of man. But sometimes it gets a little fuzzy, right? <laughs> the late, great comedian George Carlin had a line I really like, one about the base differences of men and women. Very simply, he said, 
women are crazy and men are stupid. And the main reason women are crazy is that men are stupid. Does that ring home for anyone? Now, without going too deep into it, since I already drilled down into the differences of men and women in several other BYOG episodes, women are socializers, empathizers. They express their emotions more outwardly and look to others, even the poor man, to share feelings with. Men, on the other hand, are systemizers, organizers, more antisocial, and tend to hold our emotions more internally. We don't want to share emotions, and Lord knows we don't really like listening to yours either, ladies. Sorry, but we will because we love you. And therein lies another issue. If a woman has a problem, she will want to talk about it. And if you are her man, unfortunately, she wants to talk to you about it. Well, you're a problem solver. It's in your DNA, guys. Nothing you can do about it. So, you begrudgingly do your duty because you love her and listen to her problem. But then, you make the big mistake, guys. You give her a solution. Eh, wrong. You can't help it, though. Just try not to. You can't. And then you get ticked that she won't have it either. Too bad. That's in her DNA, fellas. Does she want your solution? Did she come to you to have you fix her problem? Heck no. That's the last thing she wants you to do. She just wants you to listen. She just wants to share her emotions. She can fix her own problems. You're just being exposed to the thought process along the way, that's all. We men just haven't really figured that out yet, have we? We could have the easiest job in the world, the easiest relationship in the world, if we just shut up and listen. But for us, it's just like being arrested. We have the right to remain silent. Too bad we just don't have the ability. And girls, you need us too, or else you would probably starve. How about this for a typical conversation between a husband and a wife? Sound familiar? Would you like to go out to eat tonight, honey? Sure. Where do you want to go? Oh, I don't care. Wherever you like. How about Frankie's? I could really do with some Italian right now. Nah, I'm really not in the mood for Italian tonight, baby. Okay, what are you in the mood for? Eh, I don't care. Whatever you want. Okay, well, let's do China King then. We haven't had Chinese in a while. I could just slay me some Kung Pao. Ew, no, my stomach's a little touchy today. I don't think Chinese will sit well right now. Ah, okay, I... I Tell me where you want to go then. Baby, I told you I don't really care. You pick. Uh, see, you get it? And speaking of restaurants, any waiter or waitress can tell you the difference between men and women. See, you get a table full of women, and when the bill comes, each woman will count down to the penny what she owes as part of her share of the meal. Calculators are brought out. The bill passed back and forth a half dozen times, and the tip exact at 15%. And that's if they like the server. You know, performance will have to be judged and taken into account. Men, you know what I'm saying. You know the drill. The bill comes and even the poor guy who had the house salad and a soda breaks out a 20 and throws it to the center of the table. <laughs> Does he want change? Yeah, Probably, but he'll turn it down at all, if offered. It's an ego thing. I, I, I got plenty. I'm loaded. I'm good. The wait staff drools over a table of men. Yeah, car payments are made. Student loans are going to be met by the end of the month. So, look, it comes down to this. You are different, but you fell in love. And you fell in love by design because of your differences. Yes, we have similarities which help us get along. But if I wanted to marry me, someone identical to me, 
I'd be wrapped up in a fetal position in the corner by day two. Now, when you go through something as traumatic as we have, the loss of a child, you are going through emotions you probably never experienced before. And if you have before, certainly never at the level you are now. You are trying to get a handle on you. And suddenly the one person you thought you knew the most, your partner, seems almost alien to you now. So much to get a handle on. Men, she can't stop crying and she wants to talk about it all the time. Not only with you, but she wants to go talk to a professional. She wants to join a support group. Ladies, he doesn't seem to cry so much, does he? He barely talks about it and never to anyone outside the house. He's still keeping busy doing things. Why isn't he a mess like I am? My gosh, did he not love our child? Do I even know him? Do I even know her? I don't know myself right now. Yeah, with the two sexes, I am painting with a broad brush, mind you. I know. Just, just like men and women grieve differently, no two people, regardless of same sex, grieve alike. But there are generalities. Generalities that are based off of centuries of DNA programming, responses, reactions, and actions that are driven by what lies within our genes. That's nature. And we have nurture, which shapes us as well. How we were raised. Nature and nurture. We process and express emotions differently, men and women. He has a tendency to be internal and action-oriented. She has a tendency to be external and more prone to thought than action. Opposites, right? What once was complementary to the relationship now seems difficult in loss. So how do we approach this in loss? First, we simply always recall why we were married. Please, we fell in love. We love each other unconditionally. We can draw from that love and our promise to seek the strengths and differences of the other which brought us together to build a life for better or for worse. Now look, the love you share is always the biggest problem solver. But next, second, talk to each other. Men, listen to her. I know it's tough. Women, we are cave dwellers, brooders. Draw us out gently and encourage us to talk. Again, awareness and understanding. I have repeated those words together a thousand times to others. Nothing beats awareness and understanding of each other when facing a problem together. I once had a talk show host ask me to give advice on getting couples to talk about their differences. My response, just get together and talk about it. There's no magic bullet. You must communicate with each other. I guarantee you that this is the super secret sauce used by all those husbands and wives I've met over the years that seem to actually grow stronger as a couple after the loss. And that's why you are here. You feel separate. I highly encourage you to go watch some of my BYOG support episodes on the differing manners in which men and women might grieve. Not all, but most. It's a start of awareness. If not that, search out info on your own. Become aware of how she might process her emotions. Become aware of how he might. But guys, first make sure you come out of the cave from time to time and talk to her about it. Be aware that she needs it. Understand why she needs it. It's who she is. Ask what she's going through. Don't try to do so much problem solving as listening, right? Women, same thing. Be aware that in these highly stressful emotional times, 
we struggle with ourselves and the influences of both nature and nurture on our expressions. Awareness and understanding of each other is always the key. But listen, before you try to get that elsewhere, please first try to sit down together and use your unconditional love and respect for each other and that of your angel child. And you'll find that the differences that once brought you into love will carry you through this together, always together. So that's it for this episode of the Bring Your Own Grief Network Studios, the place where you can bring your own pains, bring your own questions, bring your own confusions, and bring your own grief. And hey, don't forget to like us on Facebook and on YouTube, both found under the Bring Your Own Grief Network Studios. Join or subscribe as well. Lots of information at both sites to offer. And regardless, I am R. Glenn Kelly, proud father to my angel son, Jonathan Taylor Kelly, who guides me in legacy every day. And we both wish you peace and purpose.